Well, hey, everyone, and welcome to episode number 51 of the Other Six Podcast. My name is Chad Boak, and I'm your host. Joining me once again in the studio, my co-host, our worship pastor, and author of the book, Musical Stocks Are a Sound Investment, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Matt Collins. Matt, how are you today, sir? Good, man. That's Good to see you. Well. Absolutely. <laughs> and also joining us in the studio today, our lead pastor, Mr. Adam Bishop. Adam, how are you, sir? Stock tips with Matt. That's so, right. Yeah, with that, that would, uh, Apple would qualify for that, right? Yeah, with iTunes, iTunes and all. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So get too bad we can't go back in time. sound yeah. investment. Yeah. 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 Forrest Gump was told to invest in the fruit company, and that all turned uh, right. out well yeah, for him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's a great line. Absolutely. So, good, good job, Matt. Yeah, many get, skills. I, yeah. Many, many talents. Many talents yeah. that I don't even All, know. Author of financial books that he didn't even know about. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I this in my sleep. I Unbelievable. <laughs> exactly. Well, gentlemen, how's everyone doing today? Everybody have a good weekend? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. it was a good weekend. Yeah, good keeping weekend. busy. I mean, like, I know there's, like, football practice and all kinds of other things going on. Like, fall feels right around the corner. Well, not the weather. No, not the weather. That's right. No, we still got a few weekends till the games kick up on Saturdays. So yeah. we just kind of had a nice um, weekend around the house with the family. It was nice. Yeah. Yeah. What about y'all? Did anything special? Uh, yeah, I went to see Brian Regan. Has anybody? Is that a comedian? Is a comedian. Okay, how was that? It was awesome. Okay. We were like, we got tickets in the back, but when we were sitting there, like I don't know what happens, but some guy came up and was like, "Hey, do y'all want to sit in the front row?" I was like. Uh, heck yeah. He's was like, this here, man knows his Was investments. it local? Yeah, it was at the yeah. Impact. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's because it's Matt Collins. That's right. Well, I, mean, I don't Matt know Collins about that. House, right. I don't know about that. He, he, he is a special musical <laughs> guest. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess. <laughs> Just in case Sound Brian Regan can come too. out, they were like, we're going to bring Matt up on the stage. He's going <laughs> to yeah, serenade us. Yeah. So. Well, anyway, it was yeah. super fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Yeah, we, we cleaned. We cleaned our house. That was what we worked on. But, you know, it was one of those things, and I'm sure you guys have been here too, where it's like eventually, like you go and you go and you have enough going on, eventually you're like, okay. I've got a moment and actually really wanted to make it happen. And yeah. so we cleaned and I was very happy with that. It was inside. So, inside. A good that's weekend right. to do work inside. Yeah, no, it was nice. And then, uh, you know, Brandy, our dog, is kind of getting to the age now where she can actually walk around and not destroy everything. Okay. And so that's been a uh, progress. That's man, been progress. Like, I, yeah. yeah. Banjo still can't do that. So. <laughs> <laughs> he missed that one. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, gentlemen, uh, yeah, it was a good weekend and a great weekend as we kicked off our brand new series, kind of taking a look at the life of Joshua. Yeah. Uh, ready or not? Ready or not. Ready, ready or not. Not, here it comes, yeah. yeah. Well, so I wanted to ask, so the big question or the big idea that you had was Joshua was ready for his task. Yeah. So how do we practically prepare ourselves when we don't know what's ahead? Yeah, I don't think I, I don't think be. I was ready for that question. <laughs> <laughs> Matt's just like ready or not. I'm ready or not. I'm hitting you with it. That, that's called yeah, Matt's segue. Yeah. I like that. <laughs> I like that. I just I was so curious. Was yeah. Like, I'm I, with you. How do you know that? So let's let's get to that. Um real quick though, at the beginning of the message, I took about eight to ten minutes to give a lot of next generation ministry. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah. we're gonna clip that and put it in the shout outs. Yeah. So okay. that if people weren't in the message for whatever reason, they could hear that. Because I don't want to recap. I don't want to say the same sure. thing again yeah, on this yeah, podcast. Sure. Yeah. Here's the bottom line. A lot of great things yeah, happening. Yeah, yeah, I took right. literally no eight to ten minutes to explain it. Yeah. So you can check out the uh, shout out email. Is that what we call that? E-letter? Yeah, e- yeah, yeah, or email. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how this work. Weekly e-newsletter. There you go. Yeah. So that's going to show e- up. E-newsletter. There you go. Yeah, I mean, I think in many ways, life is always about um, being prepared uh, because you just don't know what the future holds, you know? Um, that's really the foundation of our entire philosophy and educational system. Mm-hmm. It's like, let's just keep these kids here for 12 years and see what happens. You know, it's like, <laughs> maybe they'll actually be prepared and learn a few things along the way. So, you know, most of us, that's forced upon us in our early ages. But then as we get older, 
somewhere along the way, we lose that. Mm-hmm. We lose that desire to keep being ready for what God, mm-hmm. you know, wants to do. And that's why I read that verse. Like God's literally looking all over the earth for people who whose hearts are aligned with him that he can show up on their behalf, you right. know? So the problem is most of us don't want to do what we need to do right now to be ready for what's next. We'd rather head just go do what's next. Sure. <laughs> so, you know, it's like okay. playing, playing football. Everybody yeah. wants to play in the game. Yeah, Nobody right. wants to practice. Right. Right. You know, yeah, it's yeah, the same yeah. idea. Now, I want the great opportunity. I'd be great if the Lord, you know, brought some big blessing my yeah. way. But what I have to do right now, that's not much fun. Right. But if you can see purpose in what you're doing right now, mm-hmm. not just for the future, but for the right now, but then see how God works, oftentimes he's using what you're doing right now to prepare you for something that's further down the road. Right. We can all look back on our lives and see that now. Right. This only makes yeah. sense in hindsight. Right. When you're right. living right. it in real time, a lot of times you don't see it in the moment. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So kind of talking about that, Second Chronicles, uh, it was 16.9. You basically said that God is always looking for people that he can use. You know, I've known some people in my life who, who want to do big things for God, want to be used in a big way by God, but it doesn't seem like that necessarily happens. So why, why would that be? Because they won't do the little things. So I got a good, okay. I, I got I got <laughs> a good I got yeah, a good dude. buddy. His name's Ryan. Um, he is the executive pastor at the church at eleven twenty two down in Jacksonville, Florida, yeah, with yeah, Joby yeah. Martin. Yeah. Great church. Yeah, absolutely. So Ryan tells the story about how when he was either in college or maybe right out of college or starting seminary, kind of that season of life, that um, the church he was serving at. Um, he told the student pastor, next-gen pastor, and I may be missing a few of the details on this, basically like, hey, he'd love to like help out and love to have some opportunities to teach. And the guy was like, that's fantastic. Mm-hmm. You know, meet me here on Sunday mornings at whatever time. Mm-hmm. So Ryan got there, and the guy basically was like, I need you to put out 100 chairs. And um, Ryan's like, what do you mean? He's like, well, if you're not willing to put out the chairs that the kids are going to sit in, mm-hmm. you're certainly not prepared to teach the kids who are going to sit in the chairs. Mm-hmm. There's a heart development. There's a character development that has to take place. Far too many people are given the stage, given the spotlight, given the platform way too soon in life. This doesn't just have to be in ministry. It can be in any walk of sure. life. Mm-hmm. They were never willing to do the grunt work. They were never really to do the character developing things. They thought they were above it. So, you know, if, if there was ever a day around here where Hardy popped in our offices and said, all right, guys, I need y'all to come help clean toilets, I'd be like, let's go. Yeah, yeah. Like, you never get to a place in life where you think you're above certain tasks. So I think the reason why a lot of people miss out on big opportunities is they never just did the small things that God had already brought their way. And if you're not willing to do what God has in front of you right now, don't expect to get some other great opportunity down the road. Mm-hmm. That's really good. <laughs> that's that, Yeah, that's good. Um, well, your first point was in real time, uh, preparing for the future is trusting God today. Uh, that's awesome. Um, so what are some ways that we can trust God more? Um, what does that practically yeah, look like? Yeah, I mean, don't give in to fear. Okay. You know, don't don't get your eyes. We talked about this in the Colossians series. Instead of focusing on the world and the things that are around us, we fix our gaze heavenward is what mm-hmm. Paul said. You know, keep your eyes on Jesus. So you've got to be willing to continue to walk with the Lord regardless of what's going on all around you. Mm-hmm. You know, circumstances change, the political climate changes, the economy changes, you know, all these different things change. You know, COVID starts, a pandemic yeah. <laughs> hits, you know, all this different stuff in life. And you just keep taking one step of faith and putting yeah. your foot in front of the other. You just yeah. keep walking with the Lord. That none of those things have any bearing on how I walk with the Lord. Mm-hmm. They're just all circumstances yeah. that I'm currently walking with the Lord through. Right. So, yeah, just be obedient with what God has in front of you right now. You know, one of the principles I used to tell teenagers for years, and the longer I do this thing called being a pastor, the more I realize this principle holds true for adults. Okay. (laughs) That part of hearing from God is being where you're supposed to be. 
Be where you're supposed to be. So you're a, you're a teenager. Go to school. Right. <laughs> Don't skip school. Wait, right. What? You're a football player. Go to practice. Don't dip out of practice. Okay. Be where you're supposed to be. It's amazing how God meets us when we show up where we're supposed to be. Mm-hmm. So what does that mean for adults? Go to church. Be where you're supposed to be. Go to your life group. Be where you're supposed to be. Find somewhere to serve. Be where you're supposed to be. Like, don't look for God on the mountaintop. Moses found God in a burning bush, a bush he had passed multiple times right. as he went to work that day. Like, right. huh. It's not like Moses like, I'm signing up for this retreat and we have this amazing encounter with God. He's like, no, I'm going to take care of sheep. Yeah. You know, so it's when you're doing those everyday things that seem monotonous at the time, if you're faithful in that, like that is how God meets people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's in David's out taking care of sheep. You know, this is what he this is what he did every day. Yeah. Yeah, and then yeah. all of a sudden there's a guy named Samuel wanting to pour oil on his head. That's <laughs> what's going what, on. Right. So yeah, that's the idea. It's like be faithful in, in what yeah. is in front of you right now. Yeah. yeah, and that goes back to the whole be faithful with the little things and then yeah. God God gives you, you know, those big things. So I, I really like the story of Joshua and Caleb. You know, the, the spies going into the promised land. As a matter of fact, Caleb is one of my favorite characters from the Bible. If we had had a son, his name would have been Caleb. Okay, cool. Uh, I have a nephew named Caleb. Yeah, as it is, God said, no, you shall have girls. Uh, <laughs> so I love, I love that story of these guys standing up to the other 10 spies. And man, you cracked me up with the way that you're like, they stood up and then what happened? They all wanted to stone them. They wanted to, to get rid of them. So I guess my question for you is, how can we know when we're supposed to go, go against the grain and how do we lead when there's, there can be so much opposition to what we feel like God is telling us? Just don't put things out for a congregational vote. That's <laughs> okay. the principle. I mean, every time in the, in the Bible there's a congregational vote, it goes bad. Right. Um, so, yeah, that's the first principle. Um, and then you said go against the grain. I, I yeah. would push back on that a little bit and say, no, go with the grain. Okay. That's what God said to do. Oh, okay. Those were the people that were going against the grain. But because there were so many of them and because they were loud and because they were fearful, like it felt like that was the majority. And, and Caleb and Joshua— and God is the majority. Right. You could put 100,000 people on the other side of the equation. If God's on your side, you're in That's the majority. majority. That's yeah. right. That is the great. So yeah. Joshua and Caleb are the only two people who are seeing this with clear eyes. Wow. They, they get it. And um, when you get it and people come against you and they get other people to come against you and you know this is what God wants you to do, I think those can be some of the most painful experiences in our life. Hmm that sometimes as Christians, we're quick to shoot our own. Sometimes as brothers and sisters in Christ, we turn on each other. And we've got to be really careful about that. Mm. I have seen more churches destroyed from the inside out than any of the quote-unquote evils from the world sure. mm. for stuff like this. Mm. Someone says, this is what God's telling us to do. And someone says, no, that's not what God's telling us to do. That would never work. Or, you know, um, And clearly, we have to be careful. I mean, this is a pretty unique story in the Bible. Right. So you, know, you can't use it to manipulate circumstances. Sure. I'm not advocating that at all. But I would say that... If you want to walk with God and try to be obedient, one of the things you've got to get super comfortable with is you're going to be in the minority. Um, and I haven't always gotten this right. I mean, it's really convenient now to say, and I'm one of those examples, Chad, <laughs> but like, you know, I haven't always gotten this right. But um, I have had some misguided discouragement along the way mm-hmm. that I really didn't need to get discouraged if I had had a little bit more of a realistic set of expectations. So I can remember going off to college as an 18-year-old kid. I grew up, you know, I never went to a Christian school. I had a great student ministry. 
But, you know, I grew up in the 90s, middle school and high school, nothing like it is today. But I saw my fair share of things. Sure. I mean, it, it, it wasn't a most a, a God-honoring environment <laughs> right. that I was in every right. day at school, okay? Mm. So when I went to college, I went to a small Christian college, and I'm like, this is awesome. Like, I'm going to be around other Christ followers. This is going to be fantastic, <laughs> you know? This is going to be great. After about a semester of college, I was like, oh, this isn't so great. <laughs> that um, there were several friendships I had developed that— um, and again, not trying to sound judgmental or any of those things, but the truth of the matter is those friends really had no ambitions of walking with the Lord, mm-hmm. and they didn't really even try to hide it. Now, they hid it the first couple of months of school because that's how you make friends at a Christian college, but right. then it kind of became apparent that wasn't really their deal, right. yeah. and it kind of discouraged me. Um, that was kind of the first time I had run into that. Yeah. So I called my student pastor growing up and I'll, you know, unpacking all this with him on the phone, and he listened as he always has for so many years and still does from time to time. And he just said, Adam, he said, I want to be really clear with you about something. He said, you've been told your whole life God has a plan for your life, right? I'm like, yeah. He goes, well, so does Satan. He's so does Satan. He said, let me tell you one of the main things Satan will do to try to get you off of God's plan for your life. He'll try to discourage you with things like this. Like he's, Satan's not, I mean, he's going to come after you with the evils of the world, sure. but he might be able to get you off track with stuff like this. And then mm. he said something I've never forgotten. He said, I need you to remember something. Whether you go to a public school, a Christian school, or work at a church— if you walk with God, you'll always be in the minority. And I've never forgotten that. Wow. And so if you are looking for a bunch of applause from a bunch of people for why you should walk with the Lord, you're on the wrong team. Mm. Like part of walking with the Lord is you live for the applause of one. You live for an audience of one. And if there are some brothers and sisters in Christ that we can encourage along the way to do this together, that's the goal. I mean, just spent a whole series talking about that. But if you think growing in your faith is somehow going to gain you a bunch of people who are super fired up and cheering you on and telling you how great you are, the truth of the matter is they may actually start to pull you back. Because if you pull away from the pack, the pack notices and goes, no, 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 you need to get back in here with the pack. Because we're all feeling a whole bunch of conviction that we're not pulling away with you. So oftentimes that's what ends up happening in churches. And this is what we saw happen in this story, is that two guys are like, no, we're going to go. And the pack went, get back in this pack. We're not going in there. So it's a principle that you just need to be made aware of. And if you're a parent, it's a principle you need to help your kids understand from a very early age. I write a letter every year to key kids I know that are turning 13. I got one turning 13 in August. He happens to be mine. But I've written this letter a number of years, a number of times over the years to students. And I write this letter, young men, telling them, here's what's about to happen in the next three years of your life. Mm. I just lay it out for them, and I'll write it for Sam. Don't tell anybody if you're listening to this, because he doesn't know about this letter yet. Sure. But what I tell them is, over the next three years of your life, you're going to see a lot of kids you know who you think like to walk with God, and you're going to realize they ain't walking with God. Mm. And they're going to try to pull you down with them. you got to make a decision. What are you going to do? You're going to keep walking with the Lord, or are you going to be swayed by the crowd? And if, if they can drive that stake in the ground at this pivotal age, I've seen that a lot of those kids, after the heartache and the pain— of that can come out on the other side stronger in their walk with the Lord. But it's a really hard thing for a young teenage kid to look around and see some of the kids that used to be their church buddies, used to actually walk with the Lord, no longer do that. Right. Now, we want to do everything we can as a church to keep that from happening. But let's be real. Man, the enemy comes after people. Yeah. yeah. And he gets he gets people off track. So the whole there's a whole bunch of principles there. And I've probably gone down a whole lot of other no, places no, you were good. asking them with this question. But yeah, Joshua and Caleb, man, they were in the majority. And it's just a shame that the rest of the folks that day didn't say, now here's the rest of the story. I didn't tell this in the sermon. So it's so typical. After God makes his declaration, what do you think they do? 
no, no, we're good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll go fight them. Right. And Moses goes, no, you can't go fight them now. Right. You've they go, no, it'll be fine. They go down there and get slaughtered. Yeah, because yeah. now they're ready to obey. <laughs> and it's like now, yeah. and they live with the consequences of that. Yeah, yeah. and I, I think it's really interesting. I, you know, you had a great point there. Oftentimes, Christians seem surprised when trouble comes their way. And I'm going, well, Jesus literally said, like, in this world, you're going to have trouble. And, and that's kind of what you're talking about there, the reason as to why. Well, so, okay, so when obedience isn't going well, hmm. um, God, you said that God may be leading you in a season of preparation, right? Uh, those times are hard. Like, I mean, I'm thinking about a lot of things that I'm walking through, like, waiting around on God. Hmm. Uh, am I doing it right? So, and I think that you, y'all were even saying like, it can get tough. Um, and it, it can get... Um, to where, like, when, when we're following, it can get worse. So how do we, how do we stay, how do we trust God in those seasons? Because those are kind of tough yeah, seasons. difficult seasons. Yeah. So one, remember his faithfulness from the past, from his word. Mm-hmm. So spend a lot of time in his word going, okay, God's faithful. Mm-hmm. I can't see it right now, but he's yeah. faithful. Two, remember how he's been faithful in your life in the past. Right. There's a yeah. good chance you were probably here before, maybe not as a severe set of circumstances, mm-hmm. and you can be encouraged by how God came through for you. Three, find current stories, either people you know or books that you can read yeah. where you, God did this for yeah. other people. Mm-hmm. Right. So you just begin to you know strengthen that muscle, exercise that muscle, your remembrance muscle. <laughs> okay, God can do this. But then here's the big yeah. thing. You have to get to a place where you are straight up cool with walking by faith. Mm -hmm. Most of us have no idea what it means to walk by faith. We talk about it. It looks good on bumper stickers. But um, as long as you can see what God is up to, you're not walking by faith. It's only when you can't see it, figure it out, connect the dots, make sense of it, Mm -hmm. you've now entered the realm of faith. Most of us are not walking by faith. We're walking by evidence of God's goodness. Mm -hmm. And when the evidence of God's goodness is taken away from our life, goodness of God is still there. Mm -hmm. We just can't see it. Do you keep walking? Do you keep moving forward? Do you keep saying, God, I'm going to keep trusting you. I've seen too much. Mm -hmm. You're too good. I'm with you, God. I'm going to keep walking and I'm going to keep moving forward. I'm going to keep worshiping you. Mm -hmm. I'm going to keep praising you. I'm going to keep rejoicing. Most of our worship is not worship of God. It's worship of our circumstances. So things are good, but we're all about worshiping God. (laughs) Things go bad. Our worship goes downhill. No, worship God in the storm. Worship God when it's going bad. Yeah. Keep declaring the goodness of God. If if you can do that, man, it builds a depth in your relationship with God that only those things will build. Mm-hmm. And I'm convinced that it was only that level of just sheer shock and complete. I mean, what word could describe how Joshua had been feeling that day to find out he's got to wait 40 years to do something he wants to do today? Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) It's only that that prepared him for what we're going to talk about in these next three weeks in the series. Yeah, so so speaking of that, all right, so the story of the spies, Joshua, Caleb, yeah, they come back, God says, enough, you're not getting in there for, you know, only Joshua and Caleb over the age of, what, 20, was it? Uh, And, you you know, your guys are going to have to wait 40 years, and you guys are going to wander in the desert. Like, doesn't that seem harsh? And even, I mean, I think about like Joshua and Caleb, like, does that mean that their wives and their kids over the age of 20 didn't get in there too? Like, how is this all good? How is this a good thing? Yeah. So just read the rest of Joshua too. Like some of the things that God tells Joshua to do in Joshua are some of the things that people use, atheists and and, and the like, to attack the goodness of God, the mm. character of God. Okay. It's one of the things they do. So when when you really pull back for a second and say, okay, what is God doing here? What is God doing here? What is God up to? What is God building? 
God is building a nation through a family. Now, where did that family end up? That family ended up in Egypt. God brought that family out of Egypt. God is leading that family into the promised land. One of the common themes that gets missed in the study of Genesis, Exodus, Numbers, Leviticus, Deuteronomy, Joshua, that whole part of our history, is that all of the nations around knew what God was up to. Hmm. There's actually been archaeological evidence that's been discovered through other cultures that mentioned this God of the Hebrew people, that these stories were not—it um, wasn't like people didn't know about them. Hmm. So um, we're going to talk about Rahab in this series. Rahab would be a great example of somebody who knew of Yahweh God and feared Yahweh God appropriately and responded as such. Mm-hmm. So the irony of Joshua is a prostitute, and Jericho sees what people who walk through the Dead Sea can't see, wow. or the Red Sea. You wow. see what I'm saying? Yeah. So what, what God is doing is he's building a community of faith. And he's building a people who will trust him. And if you have if you have seen the evidence of God and you've seen what he can do and you blatantly reject it, you blatantly reject it. It's not like an omission. So I remember years ago, there was a player at the University of Georgia. This was like 25 years ago. He played basketball and he got kicked out of school because he cheated on his SAT. Okay. Um, he was supposed to start, but he cheated on his SAT. So you can't come to Georgia. And, and, and all of these people were like, well, that's just not fair. He made a mistake. I'm like, no, a mistake is that you forget to write your name on right. the SAT. Mm-hmm. He sent someone else in to take the SAT for him. <laughs> like, can't we all see the difference? Wow. So that's what I'm talking about. It's not like somebody who's just, they're learning and oops, I mean, no, they're looking at God and going, no, a blatant rejection of God. Well, isn't the most gracious thing God could do is to get that out of the water as quickly as possible? Hmm. I mean, this is early on in the story. So the other thing is there are competing gods. I mean, they build a cow out of gold for Pete's sake. Right. So one of the things Yahweh God is continuing to do is show his people there are none like me. So, of course, God has to do these things to assert himself as the one good, holy God. Now, that is the most gracious thing God could do, because if you're the only God and if you're the only creator and if you're the only one who has a plan for redemption, the most gracious thing you could do is be abundantly clear about that. Mm -hmm. God in Joshua is abundantly clear about that. And unfortunately, there's a lot of bloodshed that goes along with that. But if you see the heart of God and you project out into this great redemption story that God is telling— that's really the best thing he could do. If he had been passive, if he had kind of let it go, if he had kind of just blended in with the crowd and all the other gods, we may not have had such great clarity developed through the Old Testament history to get us ultimately to Jesus, where it's abundantly clear, no, this is God. Wow. This is Yahweh God. So yeah, it can seem pretty severe. And again, there's going to be more examples in Joshua where it seems right. pretty severe. But the heart of God is good, and ultimately he's elevating his name above all of these circumstances yeah. to be abundantly clear about that. And, and it shows you such a clearer picture of the grace that we receive, right? Because, I mean, like this punishment, this harsh punishment for disobedience, yet when we disobey, like because of Jesus, like that grace and that mercy that comes our way, it makes you all the more grateful for it. Yeah, in the story, we aren't Joshua and Caleb. Right. In the story, we're the grumbling Hebrews. Exactly. In fact, Joshua, Yeshua— in Aramaic is the name Jesus. So there's a lot of parallels even between Jesus' life and Joshua's life. We'll talk about that in week four of the series. But no, 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 rest assured, in the story, (laughs) that's us. Right. (laughs) And so your point is well taken. Jesus takes our place so that we get to go not to the promised land, but to a promised new home in heaven with him all day. So there's all kinds of things about this story that are ultimately pointing us to Jesus as well. So your final point was um, our actions in a season of waiting determine whether or not it's a season of preparation. Um, So what can we do to make sure that our waiting is actually preparation and not just missing out on what God has for us? I mean, do what you know to do. 
Okay. You know, obey what God, what God has been clear on obey, mm-hmm. um, in his word, in your life, um, draw near to him. I think a lot of times when people feel like, uh, God led me here and this isn't going well, mm-hmm. the, the natural inclination is to push away from God instead of drawing near to God. Mm-hmm. So I would encourage you to draw near to God and, and talk with him about it say, God, you know, help me here. Like I'm, you know, I want to keep trusting you, but from my limited understanding, mm-hmm. it doesn't seem to make a lot of sense. Um, there are a lot of things that will tempt you when you're in those seasons um, that could provide some temporary relief from the pain. And unfortunately, that's where a lot of people get sideways mm-hmm. is they, they you know, get into illicit relationships. They start mm-hmm. abusing substances. They develop um, habits that are sinful. And what they're trying to do is alleviate that pain. And what God is saying is bring that pain to me. And what Jesus is saying is I've already died on the cross for that pain. So mm-hmm. it's all about just continuing to trust, you know, yeah. and I've been in a season like that before where I felt like some circumstances led me to a place I didn't want to go. And I kept being asked, like, what are we supposed to do next? Or what are you going to do next? And I didn't have an answer. Yeah. I think that's the hardest place is when you don't have an answer mm-hmm. and, and it's like, well, I don't know what to do. Well, what do you do? You keep worshiping God. You keep yeah. reading your Bible. You keep praying. You keep trusting. You keep talking yeah. to God's people. You keep yeah. moving forward. You focus on the things that you do have that matter, mm-hmm. you know? So if you can do that and and then build in some, you know, accountability and protection to keep you from getting off track, yeah. it can serve as a season of preparation. But rest assured, for a lot of people, there's no preparation because they do that. Mm-hmm. They go down those paths, and then it ultimately ends up being a season of destruction. Yeah, hmm. yeah. That's really good. So, you know, you've said a lot of times, both uh, on the stage and this podcast, that um, God, before he does something through us, wants to do something in us. So let's talk a little bit about how that happened in the life of Joshua. But then also, can you just unpack that for us a little bit? Yeah. Well, think about it for a second. Like, if God wanted to do something through any one person, okay, um, we are all so stinking self-absorbed. It's ridiculous. (laughs) I mean, and if you doubt that, just spend 10 minutes on social media. Right. <laughs> I mean, my my brother-in-law, who's a fantastic preacher, I, I'll watch his sermons a lot of times on Sunday mornings while I'm eating breakfast because mm-hmm. they're an hour ahead of us. Yeah, yeah. So I was watching it on Sunday morning, and he put up a, an image, and it said, like, fake tweet from his Twitter account, and it said, I'm awesome, and the rest of you are idiots. And, like, he was basically <laughs> saying, that's what our culture thinks. Right, right. Like, I'm awesome you're all a bunch of idiots. Right. Yeah. Like, unless you see things exactly the way I see it, you're uh-huh. an idiot. Yeah, and and yeah. he was making that point. He was doing it with some humor, and I thought it was really <laughs> funny. Good. Okay? So, like, everybody thinks they're right, mm. and everybody else is wrong, unless you agree and see things exactly the way I see it. That, that's our culture today. Mm. We have literally just slipped into a terrible place. Mm. Can, I tell you, <laughs> can I tell you what's even more disheartening? Is that's kind of permeated some churches, too. Mm. Okay, so where am I going with all this? If God wants to use you, Everything about how we are wired and everything that still plagues us from our old sin nature is going to make it about us, Okay, is going to say, look mm-hmm. at me. Mm-hmm. And what God is looking for are people who will say, look at God. Mm-hmm. Isn't he amazing? Yeah. But for far too many people, when God uses them, it becomes about them. Yeah. So if God wants to do something through you, Imagine the depth of character he's going to have to build in you to protect you from you so that when he uses you, you don't go, look at me. Right. When he uses okay, you, yeah. you say, look at God. What an amazing yeah. God we 
serve because all of us love attention, love the spotlight, love people to think we're amazing. Who doesn't want to be told they're all told they're awesome. Okay. An introvert. So, you know, if God's (laughs) using you to do great things like that may happen. And, And so I also think that God has to build some character when flip over the coin, he wants to use you, but it may not be in something that anyone ever notices. That takes a different level of character to be perfectly comfortable not being in the spotlight Mm. and to have a joy that's in that. Well, God's got to build some things in you so you respond that way. Like what happens if you have a great idea and someone else gets credit for it? You cool with that? So if not, God says, all right, I got to do a little work in you. Right, (laughs) right, right. That's all I'm trying to say is because of just how our sin nature still plagues us. Sure. um, Being used by God, we would love to think that we would all be like, all glory be to God. Sure. Or if God wanted us to do something that no one ever noticed, that we'd be like, that's cool. It's all about Jesus. Eh, Probably not. You know, so I think that's what I'm talking about. I got you. Is if if you want to be used by God, just don't be surprised if he takes you through some things where he starts to build that into you to protect you from you, mm-hmm. to protect you from you. And so there's a blessing in that where yeah. God refines you. And if you'll cooperate with that, you'll turn around five years, 10 years, 15 years, and you'll be a better version of you, mm-hmm. not because of anything you did, but because of what God did in right. you. Yeah. And then that makes you a better husband, a better spouse, a better, you see what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So, yeah. yeah, don't get too caught up on what it is that God wants to do through me. But I believe if you're breathing air right now, God wants to do something through you. Yeah. But he's probably going to do a few things in you first. Yeah, and you know, I mean, we look at the life of Joshua. Like, how old was he before he kind of took over? Was it eighty? 80? Yeah, 80. so eighty years of preparation, <laughs> getting him to where you know, till they could enter into the promised land, and God was refining him during that time. Guess who else was eighty? Moses. Mm. So Moses is forty years in the wilderness. We're forty years on Jethro's farm. Which is worse, wilderness or living with your father-in-law? You know? So, like, that's what Moses had to do, right? My father-in-law listens to his podcast, yeah. so uh, so he's great. Right? Yeah, he's great. I have a good father-in-law, too. Yeah. But bad. at the age of 40, Moses murders somebody. Right. And then yeah. flees for the next 40 years of his life. It's not till he's 80. So Joshua had a little bit of, like, oh, okay. Yeah. I didn't kill anybody, but, like, I got my 40 years now of preparation. And right. then when I'm 80, God's going to use me. Man. So, um, you know, sometimes God doesn't begin to really do something in your life until several decades down the road. You cool yeah. with that? You, will you walk with God just for who he is? Mm-hmm. Do you trust God for who he is or for what he gives? Hmm. Are you going to keep being faithful? This is the challenge of a lot of people in their 20s. So let's just kind of chase a rabbit here for a second, okay? okay? Our whole culture tells everybody in their, their early, you know, from about the age of five on, they're the greatest thing in the world. Right. <laughs> Teenagers, you're the greatest thing in the world. High school graduation, you're going to go change the world. College commencement, you're going to change the world. Problem is you're not. You're not. That's just not how life works. The problem is you're going to hit this really difficult decade called the 20s <laughs> where nobody listens to you, right. where nobody invites yeah. you to the table, where nobody cares about your ideas, and right. they just keep making you do the jobs that nobody else wants. Right. Yeah. Nothing about our society prepares people for that. No, no, no. <laughs> so they're all told, I'm going to come out of here and you know I'm going to make all this change. Well, what happens by the age, they're mid to late 20s. They're discouraged. They're, they're alcoholics. They're chasing illicit you know, sex. They're, and, and I'm speaking in very broad general sure. terms. But why yeah. is it that people in their 20s disconnect from church? We've set them up for this amazing life that really just isn't going to happen probably for about another 20 years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So really what that means is that during your 20s, you might have the opportunity to try some new things. Mm-hmm. You know, try out a couple of different jobs. Work for some healthy organizations. Learn some great skills. Focus on becoming the person that you want to become. Here's the other lie we tell people in their 20s, that you can just flip a switch. 
You can live like hell and do whatever you want. And then when you get ready to settle down, Chad, God will bring you that person. Mm. Ain't how it works. <laughs> right. You attract who you are, not what you want. Right. Yeah. So guess what? If you're Gosh, living if you're living like that, that's what you'll attract. Yeah. Because the people reading their Bible praying to Jesus ain't looking for that. <laughs> yeah. So you uh-huh. be the person that you're looking for. You trust God. You do what God has in front of you. And you know what? In 5, 10, 15, maybe 20 years, God may lead you to that place Mm -hmm. where you can do the things he put in your heart when you were 17, when he put in your heart when you were 18. But do you trust him? Mm -hmm. Do you trust him? Our society used to tell people, hey, the things God puts in your heart when you're a kid, you get to do one day when you're an adult. See Joseph, Mm -hmm. 13 years in prison. See Joshua, 40 years in the wilderness. We've done a disservice to kids and teenagers Mm, because we haven't shown them the biblical pattern. Oh, no, no, no. God speaks to teenagers. Mm. Joseph, you know, Mary's husband, Mary, David, you know, Samuel. It's all over the Bible. Sure. But it's not until many years later that a lot of times those things get realized. You realize it from the time David found out he was going to be king till the time he became king was 14 years? Seriously. Yeah. So there's all these things that happen in people's lives. So where I'm going with all this is if you're in that season, you may not even be in your 20s. You may be in a different decade of life. Okay. God puts something in your heart. Mm -hmm. Awesome. There might be a path to get you there. Yeah. Are you going to walk the path, trust God, let him do the things in you, have a good attitude, express gratitude, be grateful, mm-hmm. all, and then you're going to wake up one day and look around, and you're going to be the only person left standing because hmm. everybody else tapped out right. because it didn't yeah. happen fast enough for right. them. Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah, yeah, and that yeah. goes back to that principle again. Be faithful with the small things, and then God will entrust you, you right. know, with the bigger things. Yep. Well, I, I, I'm really looking forward to the rest of the series. You said yeah. next week we're talking about Jericho. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. somebody's going to blow a big horn. We're going to march around the road 12 <laughs> times. It's going to be amazing. Yeah. I mean, isn't that the most, not the most, it's one of the most random stories in the Bible. Yeah, sure. yeah. So yeah, we're going to have some yeah. fun talking about it. Okay. Like what on earth is going on here? Why yeah. are they marching? Why are they yelling? Yeah. Um, that's never been the way God did anything. Right. And yeah. I, I don't think he's done it that way since. Like, well, it's just, it's just <laughs> right. a really random thing. But we're yeah. going to talk about why. We're going to talk yeah. about why. That'll it's going to be a really fun message, and um, I'm super excited about it. Well, good. Yeah. Well, lots of good stuff going on. Again, like you said, we'll put uh, some of that stuff in the shout-outs mm-hmm. for this week. If folks, folks are not signed up for the shout-outs, you can go to vaughnforest.com, scroll to the bottom, and input your email address, and we will get you signed up there for that. Go. And then we will continue this series next week, uh, 9.30 and 11 a.m. here on campus and online. If for some reason you're out traveling Something along those lines. Well, gentlemen, I've enjoyed this conversation today, and I'm looking forward to uh, this next week. And a week from today, we are one year old with the other six podcasts, so we're going to have to throw a little bit of party. Yeah. Okay. Next week's the big one. All right. uh, Yeah, we'll we'll see. We'll have some surprises in store. It'll be great. So uh, Very excited about this. It'll it'll be wonderful. Disco ball, everything. That's right. The whole thing. Absolutely. Well, thanks again for joining us today. On behalf of Adam Bishop, Matt Collins, Sound Guy Jonathan, and myself, we appreciate you joining us, and we will catch you next time.